Good morning, today's daf is daf Lamed Zayin, and today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmas Avram ben Yamin ben Aaron, and Shmuel ben Michal, and Yeshua Yitzchak ben Shol Ruvain Halevi. May the Neshamas have an aliyah, and may the memory be a blessing. Um, just quick note, I'm not going to be giving shir tomorrow, I have an early meeting, but Mark will. Um, so we're going to go from the bottom of Lamed Vavam Base. 36b. So we said in the Mishnah, this is going back on the Mishnah, it says, Melamdo Midrash Halachas Vagaros, Yelamtenu Mikra. If someone has, we're going to learn like the run, just give a heads up, that, again, if someone takes a neder against their friend, their friend is not allowed to teach them um, Mikra, Tanakh. They're allowed to teach them um, Gemara, Midrashim, Halachas, Agoras, but not Tanakh. That's all. And we're discussing a case where um, the, the starting point is that Mikra would be, that people would pay to teach Mikra. We'll see why there was such a distinction. But people would pay to teach Mikra and... And therefore, if you teach them without accepting payment, you're giving them a hana. Because instead of them having to pay uh, the course fees of uh, 3,000 rand that month, they're going to get off because they, uh, you, you're teaching them. Then there's, so then there is a question, but let's assume that it's fine. If, still, if they're still paying, can they come and listen to you? Can they learn with you? If you can, you're not allowed to give them benefit. So obviously, if they're not paying, then they're getting a benefit. But if they are paying, are they allowed to come? Do we consider that a hanor or not? So that's a that's a side question that I, I feel is relevant to a lot of um, sugyas we've discussed. Uh, similar to going to a shop. You're not allowed to get benefit from a person, but you're going to buy a loaf of bread. So you can go to the spa kosher world or pick and pay Genesis. You know, does it really matter? Is it getting a benefit that you're spending that same 15 rand at his shop? So... Um, so that would be, uh, I think, a similar question again to if you, if the minag is to pay, or and you are paying, is that getting a hanor? But again, that's a question. <coughs> Why are you not allowed to teach someone chumash? Someone is not allowed to get benefit from you. Why are you allowed to teach them, or is allowed to learn chumash from him, from the person who's not allowed to get benefit? because he's getting a benefit. Oh, well, if that's the case, Midrash Nami Kamahanile, he's also getting a benefit from teaching in Midrash. Whether it's a Gomorrah Shir or a Chumash Shir, still giving him benefit. So Omar Shmuel says, no, It's a place where they have the practice to accept payment for teaching Tanakh, but not for teaching Midrash. So, and as I pointed out, so if you normally accept payment for a Chumash Shir, for a Tanakh shir, and he's coming to the shir without having to pay, he's getting a benefit. Midrash shir, there's no payment anyway, so this day he's not paying, he's not, and coming to the shir, he's not getting any benefit. Whoever, any Rebbe he would go to have the shir by, it would be the same story. So that's the explanation why there's a difference between Mikra and Mishnah. The Gomorrah asks, it says, my Posca, why does the Mishnah teach that as a set rule? It's actually fairly arbitrary. 
It's, what's the minute? Are you normally paid to teach from Tanakh? Or are you normally paid to teach in Midrash? It's got nothing to do with getting benefit by Hanor. It's just what's the custom of that place. Which, if you think about it, is a fairly arbitrary distinction for the Mishnah to just say as a blanket rule, you can't teach Tanakh, but you can teach, you can't learn Tanakh from someone you're not allowed to get benefit from, but you can learn Midrash, you can learn Gemara. Let's, uh, let's wait till we get a bit further into that. But you see that the question is again, the Mishnah made a distinction between Mikra and Midrash based on what the norm is of your city. That's not a halakhic distinction, that's a Minak. It should say, Along the lines of, you can teach Torah in general if there's a payment, if there's no payment, and you can't teach Torah, or you can't learn Torah from someone you can't get benefit from if there normally is a payment. That would be the way it should have expressed it. So the Gemara answers, no, it's coming to teach us something else, by the way, it's coming to teach us. Even in a place where they do accept payment for Mikra, that's fine. But for Midrash, you're never allowed to accept payment. One is never allowed to accept payment for teaching Midrash, but one is allowed to accept payment for teaching Mikra. And some places would allow that. They would allow the rabbis of that town to accept payment for teaching Tanakh. They would not. They were, obviously, they were never ever allowed to. And other places had the minah that even for Mikra, they don't, you're not allowed to accept payment for it. Um, and that's, uh, so that's why the Mishnah can make this distinction. In Mikra, there were many places that did accept payment, which is permitted. Midrash, you were never ever allowed to accept payment for. And that's why, sorry, that's why you would be allowed to learn Midrash from someone you can't get benefit from, but you're not allowed to learn. Um, not allowed to learn. Um, not allowed to learn Midrash, uh, Midrash, but you're not allowed to learn Chumash. Yeah, you're allowed to learn Midrash, but not Chumash. And just, just to end the run here, he brings a, just going right to the end of the run, he says, so, Avalala Midrash, Loi, Shori, Lemishkal, Agra, for teaching Midrash, you're not allowed to accept payment. The Medina also, Kerem Afarish for Azil. As as we'll now go and explain in the Gemara, min adin it's also hilkach ki melamdo midrash bechinam when you teach in midrash for free lo mahanila you're not providing him with any benefit v'lo imili ya lo mahanila v'lo midi the agra lo machayev bay he's not giving him any benefit because he wouldn't get payment in the first case. Whether, he's allowed to, whether you're allowed to get benefit from him or not, you wouldn't be paying him. So it makes no difference and therefore he's allowed to teach you. Now you just ask, oh, but at the end of the day you are learning. You're getting wisdom. You're learning Torah. Isn't that a benefit? So he says, um, We also don't consider the learning itself to be a Hanar. Why? Because mitzvahs are not there for benefit. Remember, any experience of enjoyment, satisfaction you get while doing a mitzvah doesn't count as a doesn't count as Hano because the mitzvahs are not they're there to serve the king, not for Hano. Um, well actually see it's an amazing idea. I don't know I'm trying to remember what Daffit's on. 
because I don't want to miss it, so I'm just worried it's over the next two. Um, I don't remember, but there's an amazing idea regarding using, it comes up in the discussion of can you use someone's forum you're not allowed to get benefit from. Obviously, if I'm not allowed to get benefit from you, I can't use your bicycle, and I can't use your plates, and I can't use your other items of your, I can't use your talent, other items of yours. But what about sforim? So again, we touch on this thing of mitzvahs, love the hegos, and there's the a little, yeah, I've touched on it, yeah. Um, and there's a question there, um, on the Girsot and how the Rishonim explain it. Um, and someone who actually suggests, well, yeah, let me go back a step. Um, there was a story that Rav Monachai Gifter was walking with Rav Avram Yitzchak Bloch. Rav Avram Yitzchak Bloch was a tells Roshiva in Lita before the oh, Second yeah. World War, and he was, no, it was his uncle in law, um, and he was, um, he was actually killed by the Nazis, Yomakshimov. Um, very, very saintly genius. Uh, and he commented to his student, Rav Gifta, at the time it was probably Max or Mordechai, um, Rav Gifta, he said, uh, you know, I actually don't know if I'm ever going to receive a reward for Torah learning. I just enjoy it so much. So I'm not doing it, I'm not necessarily doing it because it's a mid because it's a because I love it. So Rav Gifta said to him, said, well, maybe that is the, maybe that's, that's the mitzvah. And subsequently, Rabbi Avram Minahar, he's one of the Rishonim that they have on uh, the Torah, but one of the Rishonim, he actually says that. He says, Torah is for Hanor. Part of learning Torah is enjoying it. I had to just learn Torah because you have to, and I've got this uh, assignment to do, and that's only why I'm learning Torah, because you know, the, you know, the teacher's going to ask me a few questions. That's why I'm learning, just because you have to. That's not Torah learning. Torah learning has to be done with enjoyment. Okay, obviously more, more to discuss, and if we get to do that, Suki will analyze the different Girsot and how he arrives at that and what difference it makes. But that's just, a, I think, just a beautiful and important idea to be aware of. And again, the mitzvah of Talmud Torah includes the enjoyment of learning Torah. Um, okay, but back to where we were. So we made a distinction that you're allowed to accept payment for teaching Tanakh, but you're not allowed to accept payment for teaching Midrash. So then he says, Why are you not allowed to accept payment for Midrash? And we're going to bring the source that you're not allowed to accept payment for Midrash, and then we're going to say, well, that source applies equally to Tanakh, so why are you making this distinction? But let's, so let's just go through his proof. You see, as the Apostle says, this is Moshe Rabbein who's speaking to Ben Israel. Hashem commanded me at that time to teach you. At Har Sinai, Hashem commanded me to teach you, and it's also a return over there. I have, look, I have taught you the Chukim the laws, Hashem Tzivani Hashem, just as Hashem commanded us. Just as I was commanded and I taught you for free, so too you must teach me for free. Uh, sorry, you must teach Torah for free. Um, the Rosh says slightly he says just as Hashem taught me for free and taught me taught Torah uh, instructed commanded that Torah is taught in the same way so just as I was taught for free by Hashem so too and I teach you so too you must continue to teach Torah for free again it's a drosha it's not straightforward from the puzzle but it's okay just as Hashem taught me I taught you oh just as or just as I taught you you have to teach the same way I for free says Mikra Nami well if that's the case then you should also have to teach Chumash for free why do you see to make it? Again, the Josh is that it's on the Chukim Mishpatim, just as 
Moshe taught Bnei Yisrael the Chukim and Mishpatim for free, so to Bnei Yisrael have to continue to teach Chukim and Mishpatim for free. So fine, Midrash, the, the ex, let's, call, let's call Midrash, I mean that's making droshas, that's learning Gemara, that's explaining and learning out the halachas of the mitzvahs. So, so that's the, um, so just as, that's the Midrash, so just as Midrash you're not allowed to accept payment for, it equally applies to Chumash. It's also learning Torah, just as Moshe taught us the Chumash for free, we should have to continue to teach it for free. So the Gemara answers, Rav Omar, Schar Shimur, Vebri Yochanan Omar, Schar Pisuk Ta'amim. Says, no, Rav says when you're teaching Mikra, you're actually being paid for babysitting. And Rabbi Yochanan says, no, when you're teaching Mikra, you're actually being paid for teaching the trot. Let's just add Rav, Rav quickly. The Rosh says this beautifully. says, Mikra, you teach Tanakh to little children. When you're paying the teacher to, to uh, teach the little children of Kumash, you're not really paying him to teach the Kumash, you're paying him for the babysitting. He has to make sure, the Rosh says, he has to make sure that they don't run into the run outside and get armed. And he says also, yeah, I'll read it inside just because I thought it was fascinating. He says, So that they don't walk to the streets and the marketplaces and get harmed. And also learn bad practices. Oh, you, you let young boys wander around, that's gonna be, uh, they're going to learn who knows what um, and who knows what they're going to get up to. So you have to babysit them. Um, and therefore that's what, when you pay a Rebbe, you're paying him for babysitting. Rabbi Yochanan says, and this I think introduces a fascinating, fascinating discussion. Rabbi Yochanan says that no, you're paying him for teaching the trop, the tune that we lay by. Now remember, in the Torah there's no sounds, it's just the words. And we have in the Torah going back to Moshe Rabbeinu how to read the words. But there's a machlok, as, as we'll see, what about the trop and the tune of the trop? So Rabbi Yochanan holds that the tune of the trop is only Midrabbanan. And therefore, it doesn't fall under. Just as Hashem taught Moshe and Moshe taught us for free, so too we must teach for free. It doesn't fall into that category because it's only the Midrabonin, the tune that you read by. So that's you paying him for the Midrabonin. And that's what you're allowed to do. Now just before we go a bit further, one second, before we go a bit further, the a major nafkamina is what about if you're teaching an adult? You're giving a chumashir to adults. According to Rabbi to Rav, there's no. Uh, according to Rav, they don't need babysitting, so you can't actually charge them for the shir, for the class. But according to Rabbi Yochanan, I know there's still the drabbanan aspect of teaching them how to lane, the trop, etc. So you would be allowed to. Uh, um, so you would still be allowed to charge. And just also interesting to note with the trop, the trop's not only the tune that we read, but it's not only the music notes. It's actually also the punctuation. I don't know if you're familiar with any of the names, but there's some of the trop tells you to pause. Some are more like full stops. Like a S-Nafto, that's like the upside down posture. You'll notice in the middle of a posit, that's a full stop or a comma breaking the posit up. And then there's some that tell us to read two words together. So it's telling you how to phrase the posit. And once in a while, there's a drosh's bar ignoring the trop. I read across the full stop. And then you'll, that's, uh, that's many droshes are like that. Or also sometimes the, once in a while, there's a discussion, what's the correct trop? And that affects how you understand the posse. You know, uh, 
and then I'm sure you can relate to even in English if you put the full stop in a different place you can change it totally or if you make it an exclamation as opposed to a full stop it becomes rhetorical you know, so that would be the same with the drop um, Gavin what did you want to say? I was going to say earlier that like the vernacular words from my sons they teach Gomorrah and everything for free in the Bible the minute it comes to uh, Bar Mitzvah lessons so just two interesting things to discuss here. One is just on this. So is learning Torah regarding, let's call them rabbinic mitzvahs, only midrabbonim? I, when we learned Maseches Brachas, remember Brachas are all takana drabbonim. When we learn most of Maseches Brachas, most of Eruvin, Muktza, Dafim and Dafim and Dafim of Mitzvahs de Rabbonin, was that only Talmud Torah mid Rabbonin? Was that not, I don't know, not, or, and maybe only when you learn like Zvachim and the Dorim, the Doraisa halachas, is that Talmud Torah Doraisa. If that's the case, then we should be very, very careful which Masechtas we should learn. We should much rather choose the Masechtas that are. Kochim. Um, that's what the, the Grizz. Um, son of Rabchaim Riska, he pushed learning Kochim, and I think one of the reasons I heard was because of this. It says Kochim is primarily based on Sukkim and Droshas, and therefore it's all very little Xayra Durabonin. I mean, we know that there's hardly any Durabonins. We generally ignore Durabonins in the base of Midrash. So there's very few. So you're basically learning Talmud Torah Dorais the whole time and not Midrabonin, and that's one of the reasons apparently he pushed Zvachim. So that's one reason. However, his nephew, Rabbi Yosheh Be'er Soloveitchik, popularly known as the Rav, is very disturbed by that. He said it can't be. And uh, he actually brings a proof from the Rambam. The Rambam breaks Torah up into... He breaks... The Rambam breaks the oral Torah up, I think it's into five or six parts. I think it's six. And the last two... Then one is learning about Gezeris and one is Takodos. Gezeris are like the negative commandments to on it and Takodos are the rest. He says, oh, we see it becomes part of the oral Torah. It is considered Talmud Torah proper, real Talmud Torah, not uh, only a mitzvah Drabonon to learn that Talmud Torah. Um, and he says, you're right. In the practice, in the obligation on you, it's only a mitzvah Drabonon, but in the learning about it, it becomes included in the corpus of the oral Torah, you can almost say that's the power. We see how powerful um, a gzeira of Chazal is. And learning about it becomes part of the oral Torah and how they want us to practice uh, Torah. And therefore, it's fulfilling the mitzvah of Talmud Torah Doraisa. Um, another important discussion that comes up here is receiving payment for Torah. School teachers, rabbis, they all, we all receive the... Uh, salaries and payment for what we do. So how is that allowed? So the one major hetter, again it's a broad discussion just to mention a few points on it, the one major hetter that the run brings here is that it's khar batola. You're not paying him for teaching you Torah. You're paying him because, because of what he's not doing. If he wasn't a rabbi, if he wasn't a school teacher, if he wasn't giving shir, what would he could be earning money Instead of that, he could have another job and he'd be earning money. So we pay him instead of that. Shulchan Aruch and the Ramor bring that. Um, however, there might be a very strong caveat 
That, that's where it is all he does. That's how he supports himself. If he has a side job, he might not be allowed to according to this way of learning. Oh, according to, sorry, not this way of learning. This way of learning is any hour he puts into teaching instead of making more money, he can charge you for. But another way of looking at it is that no, they, they bring a leniency based on other sources that where it is for, where it's his panosa, then he can. And that's how Shulchan Aruch seems to phrase it, which would mean if you have a rabbi who's a part-time rabbi, part-time businessman, it's, very, it's actually very questionable that well, he's allowed to receive payment um, for, for, being, for the rabbi part of it. You, know, someone, you get a few people, they teach in the morning, they teach whatever, an hour or two in the morning, and then they go to work. So that's yeah, very questionable. And in our case, if a person teaches for, uh, does business for three hours a day, and he earns a full, quite a lot of money in those three hours a day, but then the rest of the time he teaches, but he could be, he could be earning that money. Again, if you, I guess, if you say it's Batola, he could be earning that money in the other time, then he can insist on payment. But if you hold, and no part of the leniency is based on that's how he earns his parnosa. And again, if you're going to send send the rabbi out to be a farmer or to be someone, he's going to lose his, it's not good for his reputation. He has to be seen as an authoritative, dignified figure. So that's part of being a rav. Um, if he's going to be spending most of his day stressing about his business and not able to focus on his uh, learning and teaching, again, that detracts from it. But again, that's all where he's primarily focused around the learning and teaching of Torah. If he, as soon as he's receiving money from other sources, then it gets a little bit questionable. Not paskinning, I'm just saying it's, a, it's part of the discussion that comes up here. Okay, let's carry on in the, um, in the Gomorrah. It says, Tatan, we learned in a Mishnah. You're going to challenge these opinions to try and work out. Does it work out? Again, we said, Rav says, what's the reason that you can accept payment for Chumash? Because it's babysitting. And Rabbi Yochanan said, what's the reason you can accept payment for Chumash? No, it's a payment for the trot. Again, you're still going to have to address, even if you hold learning mitzvah de Rabbonin uh, is, uh, is still Talmud Torah, like we said of Yoshev uh, Soloveitchev wants to say, how are you going to explain this Gomorrah of the trop being only mitzvah de Rabbonin? You're going to have to come up with a distinction that trop is different to others. But again, yeah. So, um, that's why it makes sense according to the opinion that it's payment for teaching the trop. That's why the Mishnah says he could have accepted payment, and if he's not, you're not allowed to learn from him. According to the one who says that we're discussing payment for babysitting, God is an adult paid, uh, does an adult need babysitting? Right? He should. In our Mishnah, which said you're not allowed to teach Mikra. It's most likely referring to an adult because we're, the, the context is someone who takes a netter against someone else. So you're teaching an adult Torah. You're never allowed to pay him according to Rav. So why can you not teach him Chumash? Why can he not be taught from, learn Chumash from that person he's not allowed to get benefit from? So Moses, but Katan Katari. Now it's discussing a child. You're right. It's where the child's not allowed to get benefit from the adult. And therefore, he would normally pay to be babies, or the father would pay for the child to be contrived to be babysat. And therefore, if it's for free, he doesn't have to. He says, Ah, oh, Ibukata and I'm a safer. But wait, the next clause of the Mishnah was, Avamalamid is born of Mikra, Katan Bar Bonimhu. says, you, But you can't teach him Chumash, but you can teach his children Chumash. A Katan can't have children. 
So we must be speaking about an adult. So the Gemara also knows the Mishnah is missing a line, and this is how you have to read it. It says, This that you're not allowed to teach him Mikra again, someone who's not allowed to get benefit from you, that is a child. And Im however, if the one who took the Neda was an adult, Melando lo ulevano mikra. You can teach him and his children mikra. I.e. And now this is interesting. Even though the father is saving money by the person teaching his child for free, because remember, generally you'd have to pay school fees and other guys teaching you for free, teaching the child for free. Again, the father, according to Rav, this way of learning, he could never charge the father to teach him because that would be sorry. He's um, because the father doesn't need babysitting, so he's not allowed to charge him anyway. But according to, um, but the child, there is that fee. So he says, no, because the primary mitzvah is the mitzvah of teaching the child, and, the, and it's a very indirect benefit to the father. But the primary aspect of why doing this is to teach the child, and the child's getting that home, which is no problem. Okay, then the Gemara says, it's basically a challenge rather again. It says, You're not allowed to teach a child new things on Shabbos. I shouldn't teach him the next chapter in Chumash on Shabbos, but you can do first Chazorah, you can do Chazorah on Shabbos with the child. Okay, interesting that school on Shabbos. If you're going to say the payment is for um, the payment is for no, for teaching him the trop that makes sense why he can't be paid on Shabbos. And we make this distinction because, again, when you're teaching him the first time, that's when you're going to teach him the trop. When you're doing Chazorah, he already knows it. You'll be paid for payment on Shabbos. El Lamanda Omas Har Shimur, Amai, Ain Koyim Bitchilab Shabbos, Amai Shoinim Berishon. Ho Ikas Har Shimur de Shabbos. However, if you're telling me that, like Rav, that you're not, the reason you're not allowed to charge, you, you're allowed to charge is for babysitting, why can you charge him for, t- why? Can't you teach him new stuff on Shabbos? And also, why, why should you be allowed to do Chazorah on Shabbos? At the end of the day, you're being paid for working on Shabbos. You're being paid to babysit on Shabbos. So the Gomorrah answers by saying, well, firstly, it doesn't work according to Rabbi Yochanan. He says, Anyway, there should be no issue of teaching the child chop on Shabbos. It's what's called Havlo, and Havlo is Mutar. You're not allowed to be paid to do something on Shabbos. But if it's included in a, in a larger amount, then it's fine. So for example, you get a salary. You're not paid for teaching each day of the week, and I, whatever it is, a, a hundred rand a day and a hundred rand for Shabbos. You're paid um, 700 rand or whatever it is. 3,000 um, 3, rand for the whole month. So Shabbos is included in that, which is fine. So even according to Rabbi Yochanan, why can't you teach him the chop on Shabbos? Says, and now we're just going to bring the source. And the Tanya HaSoycher is HaPoel Dishmor Es HaTinoik. If you hire, or, yeah, this is again not, uh, not babysitting, but this is with uh, the Poraduma. Remember, they were very, very, very careful with the children who would go draw the water for the Poraduma that they were never, ever allowed to be Tomei. So they had to have guards, semi-babysitters, to make sure that the children didn't do anything, didn't leave or anything like that, that they would become Tomei. So HaSoycher is HaPoel Dishmor Es HaTinoik. You hire someone to watch the children. Dishmor Es HaPora to watch the Poraduma again to make sure that it's not worked at all and nothing's placed on it. And Nishmor Es has Roim to watch the grain that's growing for the Omer. 
You're not allowed to pay for Shabbos. You're not allowed to pay them to do it on Shabbos. If they're working on Shabbos and they lose, the child goes missing, the kapara duma goes missing, something of do, it gets lost, they're not liable for payment. Because again, they're shomer chinam. Again, a Shomer Chinam, remember, is, not, is only liable for negligence. He's not liable if it gets lost or so. So in those cases, he wouldn't be liable. If he was hired to work for a week, for a month, for a year, for seven years, whatever the exact time is, you can pay him for what he does on Shabbos. If he works, he is liable for... for um, he, he would be liable if it gets lost. Because again, he's being paid... Okay, not specifically for Shabbos, but included in his contract is that he also works on Shabbos. So this is how, this is, there's a lot to discuss on this law. What happens if, because um, exactly how is this calculation working? What happens if, is it pro rata? Is, like, let's say you only work on, uh, mind, you take off uh, unpaid leave. So, and they're deducting three days, so then it seems like they should deduct Shabbos because you shouldn't be paid for Shabbos. So that there are complicated and fascinating this, um, um, questions for receiving payment on Shabbos. I'd just like to get a bit ahead, but uh, bear in mind that there's a lot to discuss on this. Um, it is a fascinating chuba of Ramoshe. Can you receive interest payment from the bank, from your investments on Shabbos? So Ramoshe actually says, look, for Shabbos it's not so difficult because mostly they calculate the interest from midnight to midnight. So the half of it's from, well, the first half of Shabbos is from Friday, and the second half, it's Havlo with Friday. What you're earning from Friday night up until midnight is included in what you earn on Friday. So that's Havlo. But what about a two-day Yomtev? Everything you get is for over Yomtev. So, okay, so intro, or Shabbos going into Yomtev. So that's an interesting question. How, how can you keep the interest? Ramosh actually comes out in that scenario, you should probably give it to Tzedakah. You have to calculate how much interest you earned over that two-day period, Shabbos Yom Tov, at least what wasn't done without law, and uh, give it to Tzedaka. But So there is a lot to discuss on this, but let's rather go on. But now where we, why can't the children be taught on Shabbos? Again, you hire the Rebbe, you generally hire a teacher for a month or even for a year. So why can't he teach him new stuff on Shabbos? He's not getting paid to work on Shabbos. So Ella Gabay Shabbos the Hainu Hainu Tamin. Now by Shabbos the Ein Koyri B'Tchila. There's another reason why you're not allowed to teach children new material on Shabbos. Why? Mishum Ziyavna Vosam Diyunuki LeMitzvasa De Shabbosa. Because the father wants to be around their children for the mitzvah of Shabbos, the mitzvah of Onik Shabbos. Two interesting explanations on this. The simpler one is that. Going to, everyone's going to be waiting at home for the children to finish. Generally, if it's a new material, it's going to take them a bit longer to cover the required ground. So they're going to be late for lunch, and everyone's waiting around for their special Shabbos Surah for, for Onei Shabbos. Um, another explanation given for the mitzvah is that parents, for parents to spend time with their children on Shabbos is part of Onei Shabbos. And therefore, you're going to tell this father, now, if the child's just doing Chazara, the father can hang around and watch and enjoy but if the child's learning new uh, material and the father's around, it's going to be too disruptive. He needs extra focus and extra energy when he's learning new material. So it won't be appropriate for the father to be around, and therefore it will detract from the father's onik Shabbos. So the Ibo is an alternative answer. The children eat and drink more on Shabbos, and therefore they get lethargic. 
says, Kur Alma Shmuel, as we know, Shmuel says, Shinu Veset, Tchilat Choli Me'ayim. Changing the cycle is a person, changing their habits is the start of sickness. Right, so the children have eaten, everyone's, you know, oh, Shabbos, they, they, they eat too many sweets, they drink too much cold drink, and therefore they're impossible on Shabbos. Not just the children. Not just the children, but it's the children who need this, uh, who we, we're discussing teaching. And I can tell you it's also not just Shabbos, <laughs> as, as a teacher. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's a separate point. Okay, so we've tried to refute Rab from these sources. We don't have any uh, good uh, sources to refute Rab. Let's go on to some challenges against Rabbi Yochanan. Remember, Rabbi Yochanan said the reason you're not allowed to accept payment for mikra is because, sorry, the reason you are allowed to accept payment for mikra is you're accepting payment for the trop, the tamim, which is only midrabonan. Yeah, I think in English I call it the cancellations. The reason is you're allowed to accept payment is because you're paying him for teaching the trop. Why can't you teach him? Why doesn't he learn like Rav that it's Khar Shimur, babysitting? So he says, He holds to girls really need watching, supervision. I remember the Mishnah was a, just a blanket thing that you're not allowed to learn Mikra from someone you're not allowed to get benefit from, which would apply. So we said, okay, so we're discussing young boys, and the reason is because you're paying them, you're paying the babysitter. Young girls don't need a babysitter. I should emphasize, there's no reason to exclude when our Mishnah says, Okay, well, the starting point, you've got to go back a few days. Remember, it says, someone who vows against getting benefit from their friend. That person who's taking the vow, who's not allowed to get benefit, it's a boy or a girl, man or a woman. Yeah. So you can't come along and say, okay, well, and then we say a bit later, you can't learn mikra from them, from that person you're not allowed to get benefit from. So again, it would still fall under a man or a woman who take a net of that, they're not allowed to get benefit, is not allowed to get hanor from... He's not allowed to learn Mikra. But now, again, granted if they're young boys, they need babysitting, and then there's a payment, and that's why they're not allowed to learn Mikra. But young girls don't need babysitting. They're much more responsible. They don't just wander, they don't just uh, bunk and wander out into the streets and the marketplaces where they might get uh, harmed or led astray. So, they, so there's no excuse. So therefore, young girls or women should be allowed to learn because you would not be allowed to charge them for babysitting. So therefore, that's why Rabbi Yochanan doesn't want to learn that it's referring to Schar Shimur. According to Rav, he says, Schar Shimur, why does he not learn Pisuk Ta'amim? He says, Kosovar, he holds... No, the trop is actually Doraisa. Ah, the trop's Doraisa. Well, then it's part of the Chumash, and then you're not allowed to charge for it. Remember, Hukim Mishpotim, all Doraisa laws, you're not allowed to charge for. Make sense? Yeah. All, the, all the Torah you're not allowed to charge for. This is included in Torah. It's Doraisa, it's from Moshe. Therefore, you're not allowed to charge for it. 
So if you're going to learn, so, so that's why Rav isn't happy to know like Rabbi Yochanan. As I point out, it's a fascinating machlokas, and you have to think of the ramifications of it, that the trop, or at least the tune of the trop, is only midrabanan. Then you can start asking questions. What part of the, you know, which part of the punctuation, etc., is Doraisa, which part is Drabonan? But that's Rav's opinion. Now we're going to see more discussion on this point of Rav. The Omar of Ikabar Avin, Omar of Hananel, Omar Rav. Rav Ikabar Avin said, Namor of Hananel, in the name of Rav. Maidil what does the following Pasuk mean? Now this was when they, all the Jews came back from Babel to Eretz Yisrael, and Nehemia was reading the Torah to him. says, Vayikrub, a Sefer, Torah, Selo, Kim. They read in the Sefer of the Torah of Hashem. Muforash explained the psalm seichel with applied um, reasoning with your vinu and they understood it the mikra with the mikra. So now we're going to teach each of those phrases is referring to a different aspect that um, Nehemiah taught them. He says, the Yikru Basefer Torah. Unkulus. Okay, so I'll discuss that shortly, but that's uh, that's it. The Yikru Basefer Torah Elo Kim. That's referring to Zemikra. That's he actually read the Chumash. Or the, yeah, I'm probably Tanakh as well. Yeah, the Chumash, let's say Chumash, but you can ask what's chum, uh, the difference between the Chumash, when's it Chumash and when's it Tanakh. It says Mufurash, the Targum, Mufurash is referring to the Targum. And then you have Gavin's question, but wait, don't we say the Targum is Ba'unkulus, which is towards the end of the Second Temple, whereas Nehemiah is the beginning of the Second Temple, about 400 years later. So there's a big discussion. And so there's a big discussion elsewhere, and it comes up. What is the status? Where is it from? Some say it was actually what taught to Moshe Rabbeinu. It was forgotten. Al-Gamora seems to say Ezra and um, Nehemiah knew it. And maybe it was forgotten over the 400 years of the second base Amigdash. And Unkelos brought it back. But yeah, you're going to have uh, this uh, difficulty as Nehemiah taught in Targum. Vesum Seichel says Eilat Sukim. With, uh, with reasoning is he read it with the breaks. If you just read the Chumash without any breaks, it's going to be incomprehensible. So he read in the breaks. It says, And they understood it with the Mikra. How to read it? That's referring to Pisuk Ta'amim, the drop. That's referring to the Mesoyos. Watch the Mesoyos, where we have traditions how to pronounce certain words differently to how they spelt or extra vov, missing a vov, extra word, missing a word, etc. Yeah, the star, often in Kumash, it's a star and you look at the margin and there's an extra vov in you, or sometimes it's even more drastic, but those are the Messiahs. So again, Rabbi Yochner, Rav will hold that Vuyovinu Bimikre in that passage is referring to Pesach Ta'amim. Rabbi Yochner will hold no, it's referring to the Messiahs, because he remember he learns Pesach Ta'amim, the trap is only Midrab on it. Okay, now we're just going to go into this point of there are traditions regarding words and the and the suffering examples in these um, through the Gomorrah. So, um, Gavin, if you need to rush, I would say just read through this quickly. I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to go into all the sources and explain each one. I'm just going to give an overview. Says Omar of Yitzhak, Mikra Sofrim, the Itu Sofrim, the Kirian Valoxivan, Valoxivan like Kirian, Halachal Moshim Yisinai. The Mikra Sofrim, either extra, when you're supposed to read in an extra word, sorry, not, no, Mikra Sofrim is um, essential words for Joshas, the Itu Sofrim, and words that are just there in the Chumash to, Itu is like an adornment to, uh, Embellish it to make it more readable, but not essential. Words that are read but aren't written. And words that are written in the Chumash, but we know that when, or in the Tanakh, 
We're going to see most of these examples are from Tanakh. Um, which then you run onto the question, we say in the halacha of Moshe Misina, but if it's Tanakh, if it's Nevi Mengsuvim, that's after Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay, now the question we're going to have to deal with, what did Moshe Rabbeinu know when, he, when we have these halachas regarding Nevi Mengsuvim? That's from the prophets, that's from Yeshua, to Moshe's death onwards. Um, okay, but... Um, so, all these... So, so, essential words, extra words where you have a word or a letter that is read as if it's there, but when it's not actually written in the text, or the other way around. You have sometimes you expected to read a word when you're saying it outside, but if you look in the text, it's not there. Sorry, it is in the sorry, it's in the text, but when you're reading it you don't say it. So those are all Allah Mesh and now we're going to give examples. What's Mikrosofrim? Oh sorry, Mikrosofrim is the correct way to pronounce it. The correct way to pronounce it. So that is Oretz Shomayim Mitzrayim. You might have thought that it is, I'm not sure Oretz, maybe it should be Eretz. Um, yeah, Eretz Oretz. Sometimes we pronounce it Oretz even though it's written Eretz. That's, that's one of the things. Um, sh- um, you might have read sh- not Shomayim, but Shamim or Mitzrim, but we know to read it as Mitzrayim. So those are the mikrosoifrim. Itusoifrim, what are these extra words? So he said, Achar tavaru, achar teleich, achar teseif, kodmu, sorry, achar nognim, sidkos, yeah, cheers, and I'll see you next week. Nognim, sidkosko, kaharere, kel, kirian, beloik, sivam, those are red, but they're not, uh, sorry, yeah. And the a full stop. All of those achir, you don't really need to put in the oh, and then, and then. Just write the pasuk and leave out and then. So the achir is just to make it flow better, and therefore it's it's what we call itu sofrim. It's extra. It's not essential. And now we're going to give examples of kirian v'loiksivun, where you read them but they're actually not written in. So if you would take out a tanach, you wouldn't find these. Um, it seems that we're just giving examples, we're not giving comprehensive lists, but that's a bit of a discussion. So what are Kirian Velexivon? Pras de Belechto Belechto. If you look in the Pasuk of Belechto, Pras isn't written there. And Ish the Kasher Yishal Ish Bitavor Bidvarelokim. Baim the Nivnasa Lo Deplata S the Hagaid Hugad Elai. Um, sorry, the Hagei Hugad, a lie, the Hagurim, the Hagoyrim, a lie, the Hashiurim, Halin Kreen Sivim. All those words are said when you're reading it, but they're not written. And amazing, I mean, I never realized this before, but they're actually full words that if you're reading it, you say the word, but it's actually not written in the official text of the Nevi'im Oksuvim. Says, but Kosvan Veloikirion, what are words that are written in but not read? So, no, the Yislach, Zos, the Hamitzvah, Yedurcha, the Hadurcha, Chamesh, the Paas Negev, Im, the Chigaol, Halinklivin Veloikirion, all those words are written in the Tanakh, in the Nevi Mengsovim, but when you, um, Um, but when you read them, you don't say them out loud. We'll, we'll say another tradition, but just interesting. So, 
So just as I mentioned, just to make it a little bit more interesting than just reading these words, again, you can look in the context and check these out. You can go into, are there any other examples? Those are all uh, extra discussions. Um, just one of the basic questions is, wait, so we said that all of these are halachom roshim esina, but they're all in nevim engsuvim. All the examples we, we bring, not one um, of, of at least kriyan and ksivan, are all from nevim engsuvim. So how do we say that the halachom roshim esina? So it seems that through Moshe's nevuah, when he was, I don't know, giving, let's call it the power, the rights for nevim to write down Navua, to, to write Tanah, there were certain words that got, uh, or principles that Moshe gave them that they could work out when to put a word in or when to leave it out, when to say the word that's left out or when to um, write a word but not say it. Seems that somehow Moshe gave over those principles, those instructions for the Nevi'im in the future to follow when, uh, when recording a Nevu'ah. Fascinating idea. Again, just um, obviously more to discuss, but let's go on. Just Omar Abba'acha Bar'ada Bamarova Posek Lahadin Psukel at Lasa Psukim. In Eretz Yisrael, they split the following Posek into three Psukim. We have it as one Posek and they have it as three Psukim. Vayomer Hashem HaMoshe Hinan Othi Bo'elecho Ba'avhanan, etc. Okay. Um, I think let's leave it there for today. And uh, like I said, I'm not giving you yeah. tomorrow, so I'll see you, well, Sunday or Monday. Shall see you over Shabbos. Have a very good Shabbos. Um.